Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Decker. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckard. I, normally I'd ask you how you are, Dave, but um, we just, uh, my kids just started school. My brain's a little fried. I have a four, six and eight year old. And the two older ones are in school, the little ones with me all day, which is a whole other story. But my six-year-old, who is is in first grade, this is his first year of official school, and he's in first grade. Two days ago, this is my first week with them in school, and um, I get a phone call from the school that he's in the office, I need to come pick him up. Turns out, he decided he didn't want to be in school anymore, so he coughed. He coughed and acted like he had COVID. And they're not messing around with that stuff. So they called for him to get picked up. And he sat, he came out of the office and said, I didn't want to be at school anymore. So I faked it. So that's about how my week's going. How's your week going, Dave? That is a brilliant child. Oh my <laughs> gosh. That child is He's, so first grade. I joke all the time that every single one of my children, I did not get an easy one in the bunch. Every single one of them is either going to be president of the United States or running a gang in prison. There is no in-between with these kids. There's just, there's none. No in-between. General manager of the Trailblazers, we need some of that ingenuity. I, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if president or gang in prison is better at this point, honestly. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so when my son started preschool, day one, I picked him up and the preschool director was like, yep, I had to hold him on my lap for a good half an hour in what we call holding <laughs> therapy, which is just kind of restraining him and doing whatever. So I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Have you seen the movie Parenthood, the old one with Steve Martin? and uh, Yes. Yes, okay. Like you think every bad thing is going to be the end of the world and your child is doomed. And he, doomed, and he, was, he was fine more or less ever after. I mean, it's, so this too shall pass, but I empathize yeah. with you. Uh, both of my children are in online school right now, for better or worse, just because we don't have mask mandates here, and it's just 
scary. So um, yeah. we're keeping them home. They're various homes, actually. We don't have quite those concerns, although I have to learning coach a lot, which is, that's fun. I mean, learning coach and dad and half mom <laughs> and, Man. you know, a cook and cleaner and boss and game player uh, with alongside her. It's a lot of roles, but trying to, you know, trying to do that, you know what that's like. Yeah, it's it's a lot. And well, and then on top of that, the four year olds at home with me. And I'll tell you what I was thinking, okay, this is going to be cake. I've got one kid. This kid is the, the kid that can play on his own with his cars for hours. It's going to be I'm going to be able to get work done like it's going to be great. No, no, Dave, that is not the case. I'm pretty sure that this kid on his own is harder than he is with his brother and sister around. It is like 50 million questions before 9 a.m. And and I mean, questions like the other day, he said to me, Mom, before I was born or before you were born, was I extinct? It's like, <laughs> what, it's not even it's not even legitimate questions that I can fully like. I just my brain. I apologize to anyone listening to this podcast because I don't know that I can put together a coherent thought at this point in the week with my four-year-old. <laughs> Have him text me. I'll give him all the answers. I'll give him terrible answers. I did that to my oh. kids. My kids are pretty convinced that uh, mooses came down chimneys and all kinds of stuff from, <laughs> from all the all the really funny dad answers I gave them to their questions when they were young. So I mean... My kid believes in unicorns, like a hundred percent. Well, of course. Real. Look whose child he is. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I'm pretty sure they actually are. So yeah, you know. Well, I mean, also you know, separation anxiety from you know his siblings probably that he's used to having around, and also oh no, he's thrilled. He's uh, thrilled. Well, yeah, maybe. But access to mom, I was going to say, was the other thing. Un, yeah. Undiluted access to mom. I've been waiting years for this. You're a captive audience yeah. now. Let's take advantage. Yep. Yeah, he, he is definitely my little shot. I mean, I stop and he runs into the back of me. Like, he's just everywhere that I am. And it's, what are you doing, mom? What are you doing? What are you? And it's funny because this is my kid that struggled with seizures and, and lost his speech and, and couldn't speak for quite a while. And has just barely, he's four and he's just barely started speaking over the last year. And it's like, my mom was saying today, well, we knew when he started talking, he was never going to shut up. And it's like, it is so true. Oh, he has so much to say. And I just, my brain can't wrap around all of it. It's, it's will he, uh, will he do a podcast? Because I mean, <laughs> I'll start another one with him. <laughs> he, this is this is the kid that's obsessed with CJ McCollum because of his shoes. Have I told that story? Yeah, a couple times. Absolutely, yeah, we could have the uh, "Don't Trade CJ" podcast. It would be yeah, unique in among Blazer fandom. He would just want to talk about his shoes, but he would be on that. He'd be all over it. I mean, hey, uh, it's a thirty million dollar a year contract for those shoes, it, but that's yeah, hey, that's uh, you know, that shoe a, industry is is doing well <laughs> oh shoe industry is huge right. i mean by that i'm talking about cj's blazer con what the blazers are right. paying for right. but yeah right. i mean he's getting more for a shoe contract and then yeah trading cards and all that it's pretty good to be a prominent nba player right now you're doing all right yeah for sure absolutely well speaking of the nba and its players we are an nba podcast sort of so <laughs> in the summer <laughs> eh, you know hi folks it's dave and dia unfiltered there's this team called the portland trailblazers you might have heard of them every now and then we talk about them throw a little thing in here and there we're starting out this week with a heavy hitter of a topic portland's salary cap situation and 
how that is affect because we've talked a lot about all the other factors, but we haven't really talked about how that is creating an input, uh, an input. Good, see, here, here go the words that they're gone. I, I understood um, exactly what you meant. I speak Dia. <laughs> creating an input. It's inputting a variable into the equation that uh, kind of needs to be multiplied in there to find oh the final Oh my answer. gosh. So I'll be totally honest. The business side of basketball is new-ish to me within the last few years. I really started trying to pay attention to that and learn about it. And it's a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let you run with this. I've got opinions and I've got things to say, but I'm going to let you take this because this is not probably my best wheelhouse. My best wheelhouse? What am I even saying at this no, point? No, I, I understood what you said, too. You don't have to correct yourself. You're good. <laughs> so look, and, and I will tell you that my role in these things is usually to simplify. I want to stand in between people who don't understand and the super experts. I'm not saying I'm at either polarity, but I think that's what's missing. And every time I talk about the salary cap, there are people who go, here, you missed this, this, and this, and what, you know, whatever, and down to the last penny, and here's the... Okay, we get that there are options, but we want to hit the fat part of the bell curve here. So let's do well, that. And this podcast specifically, you know, when we started this, I, I remember having conversations about it, and I think that we tend to be a little bit unique in this space because we try not to be too technical. One, because that's not my thing. Like I, I've never been a technical bla- blazer watcher, basketball watcher, blazer watcher either. I can follow that and I understand it, but that's not where my focus is. That's not the enjoyable part to me. I think a lot of the podcasts that are you know sports related that are out there focus a lot on that. So our goal with this was to kind of bring a different aspect to it. And I think we do that pretty well, but I also think that this is stuff that we can talk about in simple terms. Right. And, and part of the uh, impetus for doing this is I get a lot of questions questions about, can the Blazers do this? Why aren't the Blazers doing that? Why are there no moves? And we've talked about a lot of stuff, but we haven't really talked about the salary cap. And this actually is a pretty important factor. Right. So let's make this as simple as possible. The Blazers right now with 13 players are probably around $137 million in salary obligation this year. One, three, seven, right? Jeez. Now, the reason that that matters is that A, they need to add a 14th player, and B, the luxury tax threshold is 136.6. Just not quite complete roster, they're already over the luxury tax. Okay. Now, for those who don't know, the luxury tax is the penalty that is assessed to teams that basically spend more money than other teams. And if you go over the luxury tax, you have to pay a penalty. It's based on how much you go over. And that penalty aggregate from all the teams who had to pay it go to all the teams that didn't. So it's like you get a spiff, a bonus, if you didn't go over the tax threshold, paid by the teams that did. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. If you're with me so far. The penalty is also kind of staggered. There's a gradient to it. Right. In that the first five million, it's about a buck fifty in penalty for every buck you spend. So if you spend a million dollars on a salary, you're going to spend an extra one million five hundred thousand in penalty, right? That's and then it goes to like two fifty uh, from you know five to ten million, and then it gets starts getting really steep, like three seventy five, four seventy five. So you know if you get far enough over, you'll be spending like five bucks for every dollar you spend on that contract. In other words, that right. $10 million player you just signed becomes a $60 million player, which right. is serious money. Okay. Yeah. Here's the other thing to understand. That's just a garden variety luxury tax. There is also something called a repeater tax. 
which is like the NBA coming like an old nun in parochial school with their yardstick going, you know what? You're really, really, really spending too much and whacking you across the knuckles with that yardstick. Okay. And that happens to teams that have exceeded the luxury tax in three out of the last four years. And what that does is it adds another dollar per dollar to the penalty. So now your 150 penalty becomes 250 and your 275 becomes 375. So now basically, long story short, whatever contract you sign, you're tripling it to begin with. And you quickly quadruple it or quintuple it, which becomes untenable. Here's what you need to know about the Blazers. They have exceeded the luxury tax in two out of the last three seasons. If they end this year, it's accounted at the end of the year, over the luxury tax, they will incur the repeater tax. And not only that, but their gap season where they didn't do it was last year. And that means that they will incur that possibility every season thereafter for the next two years, basically. Every time they exceed the luxury tax, they will be a repeater team. It's a big, big no, no. I mean, it's, it's something that most owners want to avoid the luxury tax, period, except under extreme right. circumstances. Everybody wants to avoid the repeater tax. Right. Maybe if you're Golden State and you're paid for a dynasty, if you're Brooklyn and you anticipate championships, that's one thing. For a team that's basically not really getting out of the first round most years, to be luxury taxed is a bad thing. For them to be repeater taxed is unheard of. And that's what's going to happen to the Blazers if they exceed the cap this year. Now, right now, they're only barely over. If they sign another minimum contract, they'll be a couple million over. I would doubt that they're going to make any move that adds to that, that puts them any farther over. And what they're probably going to do is mid-season, by mid-season, I should say, they're going to engineer a trade that gets them under so they right. don't have to pay the tax penalty and they especially don't get in the repeater zone that kind of sticks to them like glue. If you want to know why the Blazers are not making incremental moves to get better, even though they appear to be available, that's why. Because if you start getting seven, $8 million over the tax threshold, you're not going to be able to dump that mid-season. Yeah. And then they're going to be in trouble. Well, and I think that this is a crucial thing to be aware of because a lot of us, and this includes me because I forget this so easily, but a lot of us are sitting here scratching our heads wondering why the heck things aren't happening because you're looking at things and you're looking at options and you're seeing that there are options and wondering like, why are we not doing this? So I think keeping this in mind is, is crucial. That doesn't necessarily mean that there's nothing that can be done. There's lateral moves that can be made. Essentially. It's real tricky when you're this close and, and knowing that you're going to have to offload some of that midseason. It's something that I hate to really get into because it can be so easily confusing, but it's such a crucial part of what's going on. And it's that kind of big question mark that I think a lot of people right now are like, why isn't this happening? Yeah. Now, what can they do? Derek Jones Jr. is sitting out there with a $9.7 million salary. If they can somehow move him, that's is assuming they're not going to move Yusuf Nurkic and Robert Covington or Norman Powell, who are the other guys in the mid zone. Uh, everybody north of Powell is making $30 million plus. Everybody south of Jones is making $4 million. Okay, or lower. So, and by the way, unloading Anthony Simons is a possibility. That would get them, if they got back nothing or a draft pick for him, that would get them under the tax. But I don't think that, I think Derek Jones is in the sweet spot. So they can move him for less salary 
Or if they could salary dump him entirely, they could probably use their mid-level exception a little bit. But I don't see them using their mid-level exception, which part of that is still out there. I don't see them signing someone out outright with it if that takes them $6 million above the cap. Because it's going to be, they're going to be really dancing a fine line if they can't make a midseason move there. If they do that, I anticipate that they already know where and how they're going to move someone like Jones or Nurkic. Or I guess you could say a CJ trade, but that's a lot harder. Okay. Here's the other thing, which is really interesting this problem is not going away. The salary cap this year is one point or 112 million. Uh, and that's the salary cap, not not the luxury tax. But you, you see, 112 million. Remember that number. Next year, with one, two, three, four, five, only six players under contract, less than half a roster, the Blazers will already owe 107 of that 112 million. So they will be five million under the cap. It's a mid-level exception under the cap. And they're only, uh, if the rates stay about the same, $29 million under the luxury tax threshold again. And again, they're going to have to add eight players for that $29 million in order to get a full roster. Um, that presumes, by the way, that they don't bring back Robert Covington, Yusuf Nurkic, or Derek Jones Jr. Or, or any of their men. I mean, they're going to have to bring back minimum players, obviously. But there are three mid-roster players. If they start coming back, that space evaporates. The year after that, the year, the two years from now, with I think it's five players under contract. Let me check this. One, two, three. No, it's four players under contract. The Blazers will actually owe one hundred and eight million. And again, I think the salary cap will rise. But if it's if it stays around one twelve or whatever, they've already spent one hundred and eight million on four players in 2023-24, leaving themselves $4 million under the current cap, probably a little bit more under that cap. But again, you can see four players, maybe somewhere between 4 and $12 million to play with to add 10 players. And again, uh, that's, that's just a cap. If you get to the tax, even you know, $30 million for 10 players, that's $3 million a player. That's not a lot. So, Especially for 10. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like you're needing to get one for that amount. That's like a... Yeah. They have to get only when CJ McCollum comes off the books in 2024, 25, do they have any kind of appreciable cap space. So this luxury tax thing is pretty important. And here's the thing, obviously, is if they exceed it this year, then they're going to have a real hard time for the next two because they're going to have a real hard time staying out of that repeat. I don't see how absent pretty big trades, they stay under the luxury tax in the next two. So they've got to get a year where they're under somewhere, or they're going to end up paying a fortune. And I just I don't think they'll do that. It doesn't make fiscal sense. I don't think anybody in the world can convince them that this team is ready to make a run at a championship and is worth paying an exorbitant amount for. I mean, Neil Olshay might try. I'm just saying he might. He might well, try. But now you understand, too. It actually would have been bla- better for the Blazers to sign Norman Powell to a decreasing contract because you presume that if he's going to make an impact with his $90 million, it's going to be now when Lillard and McCollum are here and in as much of their prime as they have left. So it would have made way more sense in basketball sense to sign him to front load the contract and then have it go down. So when Dame and CJ are in their mid-30s and or decide to leave, Norman Powell isn't making a ton. You have more cap space and he's tradable. They did it the opposite. They signed him for the minimum possible to make that number happen right now because 
they can't afford to go in the tax. They did a non-ideal thing already to stay out of it. And they're, they're going to have to do more non-ideal things to stay under. That's how grave this is. And I, I hope we've summarized that in 10 minutes or so. I hope that's all easy to understand. But basically, what you got to remember is they're in a bad bad place right now with their financials uh, compared to most other NBA teams. And this is not a small consideration in what's going to happen this year. Yeah. It's just, it's almost overwhelming. Like uh, not the concept. You did a great job explaining that, but just, it just feels like we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Like it's depressing. Well, I mean, (laughs) it's a little depressing. The Blazers are stuck between a rock, a hard place and the Kraken. (laughs) because i mean okay so you've got salary cap problems you had no first round draft pick this year they have got first rounders to come but they've traded away all their seconds there's not a lot of wiggle room without giving up first rounders they've got a superstar who is on the verge of perhaps trade demands and they're not making it out of the first round as far as we know i mean maybe yeah, maybe I mean, this is going to be our year, Dave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's time to cycle back into that. I get it. But last <laughs> year, I mean, the depression was real coming out of that loss to Denver. So, so far, they haven't really made it except for one year. This is, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of childbirth, where where you got, you you go through all this terrible pain and, and you wonder how the hell anybody has more than one child. But then you hold that child in your hand and you see its little face and you love it and you just forget all that pain you went through and i feel like that with the tr- like we went through all this pain but now you show us this team of these people that we just love their selves and now all the pain is forgotten and maybe we're gonna win again i can respect that first of all <laughs> where's my freaking epidural because i need one right now <laughs> and second of all god bless him this is an ugly baby <laughs> this is an ugly baby. I don't think it's an ugly baby. I think this is a beautiful I, I, I love Dave and CJ and stuff like that. But if you step back and just look at it in kind of structural terms, this baby needs some help. <laughs> I love this baby. So, I love this baby. And you cannot tell me otherwise. As, as every mom does. And I, and I will love this baby <laughs> alongside of you when the game starts. We'll root for them to win every time. The Blazers are in a non-ideal situation here in just about every way possible. I mean, there's, there's no, I mean, and look, what's, what's the baby? It's Damian Lillard. If they have Damian Lillard, there's always, that baby can play the piano. So, I mean, that baby's (laughs) a prodigy with Lillard on the roster. That's what you hope for that he stays. If Lillard leaves, we got some serious, yeah. We're not talking about Damian Lillard leaving on this podcast. Sure. It's just, I just think, we can't, I can't, I can't. I can't take it. So the point being, you, you root for two <laughs> things or you don't root for two things. You, it's, one of two things is going to happen. Either there's not going to be much change except for salary lessening between now and midseason. And this is the team you're going to go with. That's a strong possibility. Or there's got to be a really big change that puts this team into contention right now that justifies spending uh, that much money. Or is, you're going to make a, a trade to get out of this entirely. You're going to dump somebody's salary that's pretty substantial. Which means either not resigning Nurkic and Covington when this rotates, or trading CJ for something much less in salary, or God knows. But you know, again, this hundred and seven, hundred and eight million over the next two years, uh, being capped out almost with four or five players. This is that three guard thing. This is what we. This is Lillard, McCollum, and Norman Powell. That's who you have under contract, by the way. It's all guards. The other one, by the way, is Anthony Simons. He's one of those. The only non-guard 
that they have under contract is Nasir Little. Uh, C.J. Ellaby is the fifth player. So of five, let's see, one, two, three, four, five of the six players they have under contract for next season, already spending $107 million, are guards. I said earlier, jokingly, that we're going to end up playing a five-guard lineup. <laughs> oh, I don't know. So, yeah, this. I mean, yeah. So it's not, it's not a reason to get depressed yet. But we need to be aware of the reality when we start saying, well, why don't the Blazers use their mid-level? Or why don't they, you know, why don't they make yeah. this trade and take on salary? Why don't you take on a Kevin Love? Who boy. Okay. Right. Uh, that, that, <laughs> I cannot imagine what an imbalanced trade that adds $10 million to this roster would do. I mean, I, I could crunch the numbers. But Kevin Love's salary is already obnoxious. When you start adding $20 million to it... <laughs> To take on Kevin Love, that's that's a non-starter, I think, for everybody. I mean, you broke it down pretty well, and I don't I don't see them bringing someone on that's gonna just suddenly make us a contender. Because frankly, like, what I don't see that move. Like, what I we've gone around and around and around about this, and I just don't see it happening unless there's somebody who's gonna switch teams that we just don't know. Like, I mean, there are obviously superstars that you could pair with Dame that would be a fantastic move but none of them are going anywhere that's not going to happen so what we're most likely looking at is things essentially staying pretty much the same and then mid-season making some kind of adjustment which is is not surprising i mean i feel like that's kind of what we have seen coming especially as of late as they've talked about this and made comments about it but I don't know. And it's crazy. I, I, I feel like I've said this before, but last season we were looking at the roster and thinking this might be it. This might be our year. Well, at least I was. And then now we're looking at the same roster and feeling like gloom and doom. And it's just crazy what a year can do. Well, you weren't alone, though. I mean, I had those uh, sentiments, too. I think the way I expressed it is, OK, now they got to show it. They have a chance to show it. Let's see if they show it. And they, they really, really didn't. Well, and that's the truth is I don't think even they would say they lived up to their potential last year. So maybe, I mean, let's just let's just bring on the full parade of unicorns. Like maybe they get it together. Maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year that they pull it all together and they've got a new coaching staff. Maybe that makes a difference. Maybe what we were hopeful for last year, we'll get to see this year. I'll tell you what a big problem with that is, though, is the Blazers aren't the only team that is making adjustments and other teams have made bigger, better adjustments. So that's the thing is even if your team, even if last year at this time we were looking at this same roster and being like, hey, this is a contending roster, even if we don't make any changes and we still have what we would say is a contending roster, other teams are making changes that are making them better. So if if we stay at the same place and other teams get better around us, that still essentially puts us in a worse place. Yeah, keeping up in the race. And here's what the Blazers added. And you know who they lost, Carmelo Anthony and et cetera. Oh, here, Carmelo here, Anthony still hurts. Here are the changes from the roster at the end of last season. Tony Snell, Greg Brown, Ben McLemore, and Cody Zeller for essentially minimum players. That's that's the change. But now no again, canter. you know why. You know why. I was just gonna say no canter, no mellow. Right. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, they didn't bring back, right? Correct. For minimum contract players. Again, you understand why. Now you wanna know you wanna know what's probably at the real heart of it. There you go. Now, again, that said, there are ways there might be a trade or two out there that can still be done. 
my hunch is, though, at this point, the Blazers are going to have to walk the ragged edge of uh, danger and trade away first-round picks to really improve this roster because they've got to do two things. They've got to improve the roster and they've got to lose a little salary. Those things, normally, you both have to pay for. You have to pay for talent. You have to pay separately to save money. And I don't see the leverage. Again, if you want to talk a CJ trade and you shave $2 million off of $30 million, that's doable. Okay? But if you want to talk, you know, you're keeping your, your top players, uh, actually keeping your starting five, and you want to improve this roster, you don't have the talent at this point to do that. So you're going to have to give away picks in order to move that talent to improve and to save money. That's it. So now we're looking at, do the Blazers want to mortgage their future in order to make a bench improvement now? That bench improvement better be pretty dang good. Or else that's, you know, you've just mortgaged your future, win one extra game in the first round, or maybe make the second round instead of the first, which ultimately won't make that big of a difference. I mean, we didn't have picks this year. He bought a pick. There are always things you can do with that. But I think you have to look at what's your goal here. Like, is our goal to win a championship now or is our goal to build a team for the future? And I think clearly our goal, at least as of the last year or so, has been to win now. And it, and it should be because of Dame and his prime and all that. We've talked about that. So in my opinion, if you can make moves and give away those picks to win now, you do it. And then you deal with it later. You figure it out. I, that Maybe that's the worst I, I don't know. It's late, and I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Sure. So I let's mean, just you, go you might be it. able to do that. I mean, if look, if it doesn't work and you have to trade Lillard, you imagine there are some picks coming back there. Same with McCollum. I mean, it's not unreasonable to think you'd get a first round pick or two in whatever package you got for CJ, especially since at that point you're not trading talent for talent. So there's, there's possibilities of them retrieving picks that they might spend now if it doesn't work out. But here's right. the thing with the Blazers I mean, you say win now or build for later. And those are divergent roads. And I've said this since 2015 when LaMarcus Aldridge left. The Blazers' MO is to do neither, is to pick the middle ground. And I likened it at at the time to a freeway exit. Like you can either stay on the freeway or you can take the exit. But we if run you, into the water barrels, Dave, don't yeah, we? We if you, run exactly, into the water barrels. You're going to hit the barrier and the Blazers uh. are really good at hitting the barrier. And boom, it's coming up again. We went through this in 2015. We're about to go through it again in 2021. So they better decide and take one of those two roads and hit the accelerator or hit the brake. <laughs> but don't just keep going 65 right into the median. I'm just exhausted. That's right. <laughs> I'm so tired. It's tiring to be a Blazers fan sometimes. I made a, um, I tweeted a post, a tweet. I, t- why can't I did the thing on the app and I said I was looking for a, a new NFL team. And, you know, I mean, a lot of the people that follow me on Twitter are Blazer fans. And so I'm getting a lot of like, go with the Seahawks. Jody Allen owns them. And I'm thinking that's a terrible argument right now. And then I'm hearing people say, well, this team is the Blazers of the NFL. And I'm thinking, yeah, not selling me. Like, And then someone else said something about, well, my team's real mediocre. And I'm thinking, guys, I just want to win. Like, I just want to win. I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of being in the middle. I'm tired of getting my hopes up only to have them bashed and destroyed. And there's no moving on from the Trailblazers for me. So this is going to be what it is. So let me pick a winning NFL team. Like, let me just pick a team that's going to win. Like, I just need to, where's Tom Brady this year again? Like, let me just, he has how many rings? Like this, I just need, just give me the best 
team, but as soon as this is like that, this is like that traffic game where you pick a lane and it stops. I'm going to pick that team and they're going to lose. Yeah. Well, that always happens to me. No matter who I start rooting for, they lose. So I try not to pay attention to anybody. Well, let me know what your team is. So I don't pick that one. I do not have an NFL team. I do not have time. People ask me this all the time. What other teams do you root for? Like who has time? Okay, church, like, all day. Uh, and kids, now divorced, like, kids all over the place, right? Uh, and then uh, also Blazer's Edge and various other things. Like, I'm going to sit on Sunday and follow an NFL team? That's See, not happening. Or like, I'm going to sit through 162 games of baseball? Again, not happening. I need to have a team. Basketball's my sport. Basketball's the sport that I follow. I know the players from other teams. I know the ins and outs of it. I follow every little detail, but I like to have a team that I can casually follow in, you know, in the NFL and in the MLB. Like I, I have even in hockey, which I barely, like, I didn't even know the U S had more than one hockey team until recently. I thought it was a Canadian <laughs> sport. So that's a whole other story, but I need to have a team. Like I, I, I can't, I can't just casual. I need to have someone to root for. Yeah. I can't I do need- anything casually. Like when the Olympics come on, which I love, I'll have to have like three TVs going at once, flipping, trying to find the thing. You know, like I want to see all the things and anything I do, I go full out on. So the idea of adopting an NFL team and going full out on that is just out of it for me. I could do casual when it comes to other sports. I can't with basketball, but when it comes to other sports, I am absolutely casual. It's not been your day. All you wanted was a cheeseburger and an NFL team and you didn't get either. I actually did it, and a cheeseburger sounds delicious. Okay. Why didn't I get a cheeseburger today? Okay. You know what's really dangerous? Like, we're all in our feels about the Blazers and stuff like that, and, you know, it's late at night. There is a fantastic 24-hour Mexican place here. 24-hour. drive through, Literally, drive through at 3 o'clock in the morning, and you can get, like, some of the best food ever. They're is tacos. It, do they have good? the good, like, the street tacos? Yes. Because those are the tacos. Yes. And they're, oh. and they're big. Uh, their burritos are so-so. Their street tacos, you know, their tacos are good. Their taquitos, which is, I know, Americanized, but they are great. Their enchiladas are good. They have a supreme quesadilla that's like half an inch thick with all the stuff they put in it, which is really good. Is- and their chimichangas are fantastic. Have so- you had Miguel's? No. What's, okay, is that local uh, to you or? or? Uh, well, so my friend Anthony, who I work with with Swish Cultures, lives in Miami. He was here briefly, so we went to have lunch the other day. He's from Corona. He grew up in Corona, and he was like, "We have to have Miguel's," but it's a chain. They have Miguel's, which is like a sit-down restaurant, and then they have Miguel's Junior, which is like the fast food. Mm-hmm. That is, I think, the best quesadilla I've had in a very long time. It was delicious. Now, I, now I'm hungry. Yeah, see, my daughter loves quesadillas, so I make those at home. But but, the, but with steak, do you put carne asada? Because the carne I, asada is what made it. I, I can put steak in. I can't actually make authentic carne asada yet. I'm still trying to figure that out. But they, their supreme quesadilla has all kinds of stuff in there. And now I am <laughs> hungry. I have not, I will we confess. We gotta stop doing this. We gotta stop doing this late at night and talking about food. Well, here's the thing too, is like, I got home like in the evening and I had a crap ton of stuff to do and then i worked out so and i actually i worked out so hard tonight i was done and i was lightheaded and i was like whoa okay and also that's always fun when there's no one else in the house but the cats because you're like literally going holy buckets if i have a heart attack right here <laughs> that's you it. need one of those emergency buttons I by your fallen and i can't get up yeah <laughs> i did burpees and i can't get up uh, but yeah 
So anyway, I did all that. I haven't eaten dinner. So this is getting... I haven't eaten dinner either. Okay. It's 11 o'clock at night. What is wrong with us? It's midnight for me. I'm an hour behind or ahead of you. So like we're in our fields about the Blazers. Neither one of us have eaten dinner. This is really weird. Let's get to the topic. We also had like an hour counseling session before this. (laughs) So It's it's, a misery session. We need to start. We need to start. We need to start doing this podcast with a uh, like full buffet in front of us yes and probably a therapist but anyway (laughs) we can just zoom in oh okay let's move on from salary cap because it's depressing yeah no no, we're done i mean we're done with that robert covington there's was an article that came out about him being the why can't i remember the word the most, most underrated, underrated, you know, most basically. underrated. Yeah. So, so let's talk about Robert Covington. Robert Covington is one of my favorites to talk about. I was wearing a Robert Covington jersey today. He's one of my favorites. I have him right up there with Damian Lillard. I constantly argue for not trading him. So how how critical is he for our team this year? Uh, yeah, he's the easy thoughts. he's the easy pick for underrated from the outside. I would argue that Nurkic. And really, Damian Lillard himself, both could be candidates, even though Damian Lillard is literally the most famous Blazer that's ever been. You don't realize how much of a difference he makes until you imagine this team with him gone. And there's just no team with everybody else on the team still. There's no team that matters. I mean, it'd be an okay team, but not anything that anybody will pay attention to. So, uh, But I would say, let, let's for the people who just drove off the road there, let's say Covington and Nurkic would vie for that in my estimation. But... Look, Robert Covington is really important to who the Blazers want to be. I'd say he's less important to who the Blazers were last year. But if they ever hope to be solid defensively, to be unselfish, to have a three-point attack, he does all those things. And he, in an ideal version of these, these Blazers, would be the most underrated and the quiet linchpin of all of it. Right now, given how they performed... I don't think he's as critical as he is on paper, but I want the Blazers to be who they're supposed to be, not who they are. So I would be right there with you saying he's the one guy who the bar would be very high for me trading him. Not as high as Dames, but he might be second on my list right now. I would say that he is my second. I think he's crucial with this team. We were begging for a three and D guy when we got him, and I think he's he's filled that. He's been really good in that situation. It's no secret that the Blazers' defense struggles. We have struggled with defense forever. To have somebody like Robert Covington who fills that hole or a hole, we obviously need more of that. We obviously need more defense on on a bigger scale. But to get rid of him to me just seems silly. I mean, if you were to do that you would make you would need to make sure that it was somebody who could also fill that void but honestly like i i just don't even know who we would get in that situation or who we would i don't know it just seems to me like it makes a lot of sense to keep him he has been a big difference maker on this team and especially near the end of the season he just really stepped it up and i'm excited to see what he is going to do for us this season. I think he's definitely someone we should hold on to. Okay, so let's talk about somebody else that keeps getting brought up again. We've even talked about him here, but we're going to talk about it again. 
Knowing everything you know now, what about LaMarcus Aldridge? Yeah, I mean, I was no on him already because I don't think he'll help defensively. Uh, I think it's mostly a nostalgia get, and Blazer fans are not going to see the same nostalgia. I don't know that he signs for a vet minimum contract if other options are available. I don't know if he signs with the Blazers if better teams are available. But even if he did, unless he's literally that 14th player on a minimum salary, he's going to boost them even higher over the luxury tax threshold than they were already. And as we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, that makes my no even a harder no. Uh, It's just going to make things more difficult in the end, and it's not going to add enough. And as I think we talked about before, it'll be a good story in week one. And after that, he'll just be another player. And he won't be enough of another player to make a difference. Yeah, I tend to agree. And I think this is something we've talked about enough that I don't even need to get into details of it, but I think you summarize that. Well, I don't think he's a good fit. Although I do like the idea of him and Dame getting to play together again and having like the kind of relationship that they both seem to wish that they had had. That would be cool. All he has to do is sign for the veterans minimum and I'll agree with you. Yeah. Because somebody's got to. Yeah. If he would, if he would come back for the vet minimum, then I would say that's worth a shot. He adds some height. He adds, I, I, I could, that could be interesting, but short of that, I, he's still a no for me. Norman Powell. We've got Norman Powell. He's here with us. He signed another contract. Um, and there was a story that came out, I believe in the Oregonian, if I'm not mistaken, talking to Norman Powell and um, I wanted to read this part right here. He said that he was especially appreciative of Damian Lillard citing that being wanted by a franchise player of that caliber and notable role was part of his decision. And this is a, a quote from him. It said, I told him just hearing that from him coming from the franchise player, not even just a franchise player, but a generally generational talent, a superstar that wants to win. When he sends you a text saying he wants you on his team to help accomplish the goals that he set up. That's him saying he sees value in what I bring to the table. And I told him that hearing from him goes a long way for me. Um, so Powell is, you know, seems to be high on being in Portland. He's excited about the future. Dame obviously wants him there as well. This is good to hear, you know, in in an off season where it feels like there's been a lot of hits (laughs) that we've taken as fans, having someone like Norman Powell who got traded mid season last year and seemed shocked by it. And everyone was a little iffy about whether we could retain him or not. And then getting to keep him, getting him signed again for a few years and then hearing him be excited about it. That's, that's nice. That's a real good thing. I'm, I'm real happy to hear that. Yeah. And for a couple of reasons, first of all, that Powell wants to be here, but second of all, the Dame is still evangelizing for the Blazers. That's, that's a big deal. Yeah. And you like that. Of course, that's the money move, no matter what, unless Dame if Dame's going to go somewhere else, Norm's not going to be on that team. <laughs> so there's a cynical side that says, A, what else could Dame do? And B, what else could Norman Powell say? But the fact that he cited Lillard specifically carries weight with me. And that relationship is is great. And I think that that offers hope no matter which way this goes, whether they trade CJ or not. Uh, if they do trade him, obviously, then Lord has some chemistry together with Powell, which you like. If they don't trade him, it's a sign that Powell 
will be happy-ish with his role, at least in the short term, uh, and feel valued, even though his role isn't the standard that he might expect right now that he will be a starter but he's off position and probably not getting as many touches as he could otherwise demand that still playing next to dame and being a part of this is a big enough deal to lure him that said look you know 90 million dollars is part of that lure as well right he might have gotten it on a shorter contract elsewhere maybe but maybe not look you always have to look at this like a business and say that's why he's saying it but Given that, it's a good thing to say, and uh, I'm, you know, I was happy to read that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, I think it's a good sign. I think it's a good point too that you know you got Dame still kind of recruiting essentially to keep people there. I, I think you know I believe Dame when he says he wants to be here. And actually, I was just going to bring this up while we were recording this podcast. Damian Lillard was on Insta Instagram Live, and someone asked, "Why are you leaving?" PDX and his response was I'm not leaving PDX right now at least so he's been adamant about the fact that he's not going anywhere right now Uh, you know he has not been so adamant about that in the future but I think that as as fans as media whatever let's focus on the fact that for now he's here let's build around that let's be encouraged by that and let's hope that you know, this comes together, this team that that we thought had so much potential can come together and, and display the potential that we that we think that they have. Yeah, you're going to get some of that. The Blazers are on a sine wave. You know that sign, that up, down, up, down. They've been like this throughout the Lillard era. You have a loss to New Orleans, and then you have a conference finals, and then you have a disappointment, and then they go back up again. The The thing is, the scope of the sine wave, it doesn't peak high enough. That's their problem. But they're going to rebound, I bet, somewhat this year, if nothing else, because they're more health uh, likely. So... Yeah, you're going to see some positive vibes. I think it's fair to focus on that. I think it's fair to focus on Dame. You just have to narrow down. You know what it's like when a relationship is gotten to a new spot and it's lesser than it was, but you don't give up on that relationship. You say, okay, how do we start at this new spot and rebuild? And that's exactly where they are from Dame. He's saying something different than he did before, and it's more problematic than it was before, but it's not, we're done. And so Blazer fans get to go, yeah, there's there's hope. And yeah. I think that's fine. Agreed. I think right now, you know, it, it's really easy to get gloom and doom. I mean, even I've gotten a little gloom and doom lately, but I think I'm going to say I think that they're underrated right now. You know, they, they've got the the odds that, like, that they're going to win, like, 43 games or something like that, I think. I would take the over on that. I, I think they're going to win more than that. I think they're going to do better than that. I'm trying to bring back my glass half full. <laughs> I'm trying to fill up that glass um, and and just have some some hope in the fact that, again, on paper, we've got a lot of talent. I'm hoping it can come together. I'm hoping, you know, even though I was a big fan of Terry Stotts, I'm iffy about those moves. I'm hoping that the coaching will make a difference and that this staff will be able to bring things out in the players that we haven't seen. And so I'm just going to hold on to that for now. And and that's how I'm going to go into this season. That's fair. I, I need to see... Before I believe that anybody did anything, I need to see that sine wave peak higher instead of just going up and then down again, because otherwise nothing has changed. But I'm, you know, I'm I'm on board. I'm waiting to see, and it will be fascinating to see what happens if they win 43 games. 
I think that's a disaster. And I think you're correct. Everybody has forgotten the Blazers at this point. The Blazers need to give them a reason to remember. Historically, they're pretty good when that happens, the whole disrespect narrative and whatever. I mean, there's a chance. How big of a chance? We'll see. And more importantly, what happens if that chance doesn't come through? That's the big difference between 2021 and 2016. But that's for another day. For now, heading into, you know, looking toward a new season, you look toward it with hope as always. And let's see how it turns out. Yep. It's all we can do at this point, Dave. It's either that or quit. And I am not a quitter. (laughs) No, me neither. (laughs) Haven't quit yet. I mean, like I keep saying, this too will show pass. We've been through this before. I mean, Brandon Roy, Greg Oden era, which fell apart. So we, you and I saw the end of Clyde Drexler tenure here. We both saw Rasheed Wallace and the traveling all-star team get oh so close to the NBA finals and fall short. So it's not like this is the only era that's ever been up and down. And uh, we'll ride this one out whichever way it goes, and there will be another one. Although in those eras, we weren't on a podcast having to talk about it, where it, it is recorded for all of eternity. <laughs> oh, can you imagine talking about that, uh, those Bob Witsit teams? Oh, man. I mean, there's the I... shadow side. There's the other side, right? The flip. I mean, Blazers are signing four minimum layer level players, five really, this offseason probably, and calling it good. Bob Witsit would trade five stars in an offseason and pick up five, you know, slightly different ones. So we could be going through that right now. Yeah, like I said, not the worst. And, and you know, the Blazers, this team specifically, they seem to thrive under being doubted. So maybe we're just in exactly the right place. Let's think that. You know, exactly Let's, the right place right now would be in the drive-in at that Mexican food restaurant. Man, I'm, I'm thinking we need to end this so we can eat yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. I know. It, it's a darn good thing that we do not live in the same town because we would be right there right now. Showing up at the Mexican place at, at 11 yes, o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night. Please give me a 2,700 calorie chimichanga now. Oh, I'm going to eat away my salary cap woes. Cheese. Yes, cheese. Lots cheese of cheese. Cheese actually sounds good. <laughs> That's right. And with that, we will wrap this up. We will see you again next week to talk about happier things, perhaps. Uh, and uh, until then, probably for, food again. For food again, <laughs> that that's right. Oh, oh this is going to get yeah. This is going to get real personal <laughs> over the summer. Uh, so for Dia Miller, I'm Dave Deckard. We will see you again next week. And go Blazers! A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop, but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swat the shot attempt away, saying, "Get that weak stuff out of here." Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here an alley-oop. She jams it. Boom! Shakalaka! The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent! <laughs>